Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Decibel Dealer Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. Oh, yeah. Time right now to have some fun with your boys, the Decibel Geek Podcast. You know us, Aaron Camaro. That's me. And I'm always joined by my awesome friend, Chris Sinzak. Christmas is coming, gone. It was all right. You know, we had family over and everything, which was cool. Very awesome. I got a bunch of kick-ass CDs for Christmas that I wanted. Finished off my Ramones collection, my Accept collection, and my Sabbath collection this Christmas. It was all good, except for the kid caught COVID. And for the first time in 22 years, I couldn't have my son around for Christmas. Yeah, we had some family members, my brother's family, pretty much the whole house got wound up with COVID, so we couldn't join them, but uh went over to my mom's and just had a nice low key Christmas and but yeah, it was it was a good day, nice to relax and kick back, watch some football and um mostly enjoyed my time off from work. Yep, same here. Enjoyed that football too. Every team the Packers needed to lose, lost and the Packers won. Go Pack Go. Playoffs are still a possibility. <laughs> That's all I really wanted for Christmas was the Packers to beat the Dolphins, and they did. I picked that game, too. I picked them to beat them. Yeah. Well, now they got Minnesota this week. But this is not a football podcast. This is a podcast about hard rock and heavy metal music. We've been doing it for about 12 years now, creeping up on it, having a good time all these years, making all kinds of awesome friends all over the world, talking about our favorite thing on earth, hard rock, heavy metal music. That's what it's all about. Last week, we had a blast. We started a project, a two-week, two-parter, because you couldn't break it all down into one. The best and the worst of Metallica. Last week, we had our good friend Metal Mike Tyler on here with us, and we went through the first part, part one, the best and worst of Metallica, from Kill 'Em All all the way up through the Black Album. And man, what a fun time that was. We're all rejoicing. This was great. Everybody loved it. So much fun. That was great. And then we remembered, we have to do part two. (laughs) (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. And it got deathly silent. You know, they're like, oh, shit, Lulu, all that. Oh, no. (laughs) But today, Chris Sinzak and myself, along with our awesome friend, Josh Toomey, are going to dive in to part two of Metallica, the best and the worst. Starting with Load, 
and going all the way up to today. But before we get to all that, you know us. We got to take care of our business. And uh, yeah, I don't think there's any reviews again. <laughs> I don't see any. Nope. No? Oh, man. I was hoping it was a typo. Nope. No reviews or recommendations. What, you guys don't love Metallica? You don't love dudes talking about Metallica? Go to Podchaser. You can give us a review on just that episode that we did last week. Or you can go to Apple or you can go to uh, Facebook and leave recommendations. We really love them a lot. It's been a long time since we've gotten any. It's the Christmas season for crying out loud. Give us a review or recommendation, please. Or we're just going to start doing best and worst of Madonna and the best and worst of U2 and the best and worst of R.E.M. Is that what you want? You better give us some reviews. <laughs> now we have to threaten people to, to get reviews. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. We need them bad. You know, when you're down in the dumps because you ain't got no reviews or recommendations, you need something to bring you up. And there's only one group of people that do it for us the way we need it. They take episodes that we create. They see when it's released on their favorite social media platforms. They go, I want to share that with my friends on Facebook. I want to retweet that to my tweeters on the Twitter. And they do that. And when that happens, we get the list. Oh, it's prestigious and beautiful list of people that help us spread the word about what we're doing here at Decibel Geek Podcast. And those people become our honorary Geeks of the Week. Geeks of the Week this week are Adam Cox, Rock and Ron Runyon, Kristen Schimbeck, Sean McGinty, Darren Parkin, James West, Mark Starsky, Jason Warden, David Tyler, Craig Turdich, Samuel Wetz, John Phillips, Shane Abair, Mike Tyler, Mike Parnell, Brent Tibbetts, Keith Rockford, Warren Edward, LaRue Baker, Shay Hargett, David Glenn, Aaron Baker, Kevin Williams, Matt Ashcraft, Jeremy Bednarski, Simon Cat, Todd Cunningham, Patrick Breen, Pete Adams, In Obscuria Podcast, Sit and Spend with Joe, Pantheon Podcast, Chuck G, Eight Ball, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Mark Arden Taylor, Freeform Rock Podcast, Mark and Jerry BS Session, David Cathy, Will Honeycutt, Joseph Capone, Victor Ruiz, Sean Geek and Fast Fret Podcast, Tony Smith, Ernesto Aguiar, Tom Cullen, Focus on Metal Podcast, Kevin's on Fire, Hawk on Bergstad, Eladio Vet Halen, Whiting Guitar Works, Jay Shablewski, Sean Cullen, Scott Crouch, and as always, the Mooger Fooger. Mooger Fooger sent me an awesome Christmas present. It's this sweet beer glass. And it's got a cheese head metal thing etched right into the side of it. It's freaking awesome. Next time we do a Friday Night Live, I'm going to break that thing out and show it to you. And show you all the awesome stuff I got for Christmas. Because I know you you got some cool stuff to show off too. Mooger Fugger sent me a nice Christmas card. Yeah, that's awesome. Good guy. Love that dude. Love all of our geeks of the week. Thank you guys very much for helping us spread the word. We're just here rock and rolling. A couple of dudes talking about what we love. We need some reviews and recommendations. You've been warned. <laughs> well, here we are. We had all so much fun last week. Just living it up in the days of Kill 'em All. Reveling in the days of Master of Puppets. Remembering the times from the Black Album. So fun. Carefree. What a beautiful thing it was last week. But now it's time to pay for our fun. Get right to it. We got an awesome friend with us this week. We said earlier, Josh Toomey from the Talk To Me podcast with Chris Aiken and, of course, from NotFest. Everybody loves Josh Toomey, but remember, we were his first podcast friends. 
And so he continues on with us always. Love Josh to me. Are you guys ready? Because I'm ready. Chris, are you ready? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. (laughs) All right, I guess then. Let's do it. Best and worst of Metallica, part two. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. All right, so when we last left off, our heroes were on top of the world. Just released their greatest selling album of all time. They're getting airplay. They're on MTV every 10 minutes. Metallica is on top of the world. Everybody loves them. The old school fans are starting to have funny feelings about Metallica and their direction around the time of the Black Album, saying they're selling out. Songs like Unforgiven and Nothing Else Matters has the original Metallica fans a little bit worried. But Metallica still has an album full of heavy stuff. Now they go on the massive tour. And that brings us back to 1996, many years later. And Metallica is back. But for the old school fans that had some trepidation with the Black Album, well, they've got a whole new problem when it comes to load. Where were you as a Metallica fan coming off of the Black Album? Well, like, were you already a diehard and excited for Load when it came out? Well, I was actually thinking about this today, and uh, thank you guys for having me. And as always, love to see you two fellas on my screen here. Um, I the Black Album made me a giant diehard Metallica fan. Had posters all over the walls, wore Metallica shirts every day to school, and like. And just was just immersed in Metallica. You know, the first band I played in, all we did was Metallica covers. And, you know, I bought a bass because of Jason Newstead and Cliff Burton. Like I was everything that I am today is because of Metallica from this time period. Now, that being said, by the time load comes around, I've moved on. Like I, I got into corn and Deftones and just, you know, kind of going in that direction and even heavier stuff. You know, I got into like DSI and obituary too. So I was like Metallica was definitely my gateway into all of this world. But by the time load came out, I was kind of moved on mentally. And then, um, yeah, then the album cover and the logo change and, you know, the, the, the ain't my bitches of the world start popping up. And I just was not, uh, I was not feeling this one. Wow. See, and I thought we chose you for this part of the, the whole discussion because, this is what you thought was the golden era of Metallica. I thought that was the idea. Well, like your musical cha- uh, taste, you know, that's wrong too. So. Oh, <laughs> shots fired early in this one. Oh, fuck you to me. <laughs> love you, Aaron. Love you too. I love you too, man. I know for me, same thing, you know, I didn't really have too much of a problem with the Black Album. Again, there was the two songs I didn't really like that much, but they were still, to me, a heavy metal band. By the time 96 rolls around, you know, the news and the magazines and stuff, oh, Metallica cut their hair. And you got to think, you know, you got to remember, if you were there in that time period, that was actually a pretty damn big deal because up until that point, most hard rockers all were long-haired rock and roll dudes and it was kind of a badge of honor that you wore as a rocker having long hair and then when metallica cut their hair a lot of people that 
were already upset with the Black Album, saw that happen, and were like, man, what a bunch of sellouts. These guys are no good anymore. And then the video, the video for Until It Sleeps, you know, and they're wearing makeup, and it's it's just so unmetallica like everything about it. Like Kirk Hammett looks like Carlos Santana. <laughs> and, and it's just like, what the hell happened to Metallica? But I mean, as a huge Metallica fan all them years, I thought, okay, that's pretty weird. But when Load came out, I bought it on the first day because it's still Metallica. I remember um I remember a lot of because like, you know, I was I liked Metallica. I wasn't like a diehard fan at the time, but I remember when Black came out. And everyone was a lot of the diehard fans. I think maybe they were fooling themselves, but a lot of them were saying, okay, they've tasted the brass ring. They've, they've gotten the radio play. Now they're going to go back to the old stuff. I remember a lot of people expecting them to, you know, just go right back to master of puppets type of sound. And that was definitely not the case. And, um, I think metal edge put out a, a magazine with them on the cover. And it was, if I'm remembering right, it was before the until it sleeps video came out and it was showing the haircuts and the makeup and everything. And it was like, you know, Metallica with a new look or something. And I was like, that's a, that's kind of weird. And then when the video came out, I remember, Oh, the, uh, the outcry of, of fans were just was unreal and people were pissed, but, and we'll get into this as we go. But, the crazy thing about Metallica and our, you know, our friend metal Mike, who was on last week, um, he pointed out pretty correctly that they kind of did try to roll with trends at the time and they succeeded. It was like, it, which is a rare thing for a band to do. Usually when bands try to follow trends, it, it's, it's a death knell for them. But Metallica is the absolute exception to the rule. It was like, no matter what they put out, which of course we'll get to something later that definitely didn't work. But, um, at the, in the nineties, they could do no wrong. They could have put out anything and it would have sold millions. It's just, they were, they were riding so high off the black album that I don't, it, that I think load, you know, we'll, we'll just get into it. Um, you know, had a lot of hit singles. I mean, until it sleeps was a hit hero of the day was a hit King. Nothing was a hit. You know, they were, they were hit songs. They, they got played all over MTV and I mean, you, you would have to call it a success because it was, it was a commercial success. Now as fans of the band, I don't think a lot of us like it. And I will say going back and listening to load, especially, um, the thing that surprised me was how much reload sounded better to me in these days than load did. But, um, the thing I get stuck on with both of those records is, it's like they wanted to slow things down and they got into doing these kind of blues rock riffs rooted in the E note. And I know Toomey knows what I'm talking about. And it's like they got, it's like they found one riff to jam on. And like, those are all, if you're in a band, there's, you always find these little riffs that are fun to jam on and they're easy and you can just sit back, drink beer and, and jam on those riffs all night long. Well, they decided it'd be a great idea to put up records together with, with that riff. And it's just, God, so many times I'm listening to this record, I'm like, God damn, this riff again. And it's like, I don't know. There's just not a lot of originality in this album. I, it feels like they phoned this one into me. And I'm not a big fan of this record. It has not aged well to me. And picking a best and a worse, um, 
I hate to say it because I'm, I'm not even a fan of Ain't My Bitch. I don't think it's the greatest song in the world for sure because it's kind of cringy lyrically, but musically, I guess it's probably what I would consider the best song on here. And then picking a worse is kind of hard. I do like Hero of the Day. I actually think that's a good song. It's not may not be the best Metallica song ever, but it's a well-written song. It has good riffs and it has good melody to it. But then the worst, um, I, I settled on Cure as the worst song on this record. I, it's just cringy as fuck in so many places and just not a, not a fan of this one, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's not a whole lot I go back to on this record and, uh, time has not helped it in my case. I see what you're saying about this because when I went back and I listened to it, I actually found, I actually found that there was more songs on here that I thought were good than I remembered. And I haven't listened to it in a long time, but I think, and you nailed it on the head when you say the songs are good, but are they good Metallica songs? It doesn't sound a lot like Metallica at all to me. And at the time it didn't sound like it. And I didn't, I couldn't get into it. I mean, some songs I go back, I listen to, I like poor twisted me. I think it's pretty good. Uh, Hero of the day. Yeah. Totally weird for Metallica. A great Foo Fighters song. Yeah. <laughs> right. But not for Metallica, even though it is still a good song. King Nothing is cool. And My Bitch is a jamming tune. Until It Sleeps is weird. My favorite song on here is Wasting My Hate. got a cool jam to it it's kind of got an awesome groove to it i like the lyrics of it some catchy cool clever things going on in there another song i thought was kind of cool is a song called ronnie and it's so unmetallica like but it sounds like an acdc song from that era mm. like when i was listening back to that i was like i could hear brian johnson singing in this song like the way the riff is laid out, it sounds like a 90s era ACDC song. As for my least favorite, oh man, it's easy to pick a few, but I don't like Outlaw Torn. I think that one's kind of lame, but I'm going to agree with Chris. I think the worst song on here is definitely Cure. It just sucks. <laughs> you know, listening to this album, it it really made me hear like the 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 parody of of metallica you know when, when you make fun of james hitfield with the yeah the chas and like like this is when he really just leaned into that that kind of kind of parody of himself i don't I, I know you, you guys do a lot of interviews and i know that you know you'll you'll interview a band that you kind of on the fence about and then by the time you're done with the interview and if it's a cool guy you're like i kind of like this band you know they're actually pretty good you know you, you, you kind of get a, a false sense of of i like the guy so i like the band and i kind of think of that with a lot of these songs that i've just been beaten over the head with some of these singles on here over the years i'm like maybe this song isn't that bad you know you kind of get to that point with some of these songs and going back to it i mean like chris said earlier too that the, there are a ton of singles on this album like it it kind of blew me away to see how much was actually on this album um Still all the time 
Yeah. Every time you turn around, it's, you know, still on the radio. And uh, so, but I did for my, for my best, uh, I did King nothing. I just, you know, being a bass player and, and enjoying that bass line and, and, uh, and all that good stuff. And I think it's just one of the, the better tracks on here. Again, I don't know if it's because it's good or it's because I've been beaten over the head with it because it's always on the radio. Um, but I actually, I'm going to go against Chris on this, man. My, my least favorite on here is Ain't My Bitch. I, it was just such a, when you put this album on the first time back in like, what was this, 95, 96, and you just, you hit play and you're, you're waiting for, you know, even though I love the Black album and Master Puppets and Justice, you're waiting for all this stuff and you get Ain't My Bitch, <laughs> cha, and all that stuff. I was just like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, man. We cannot be going down this path. So yeah, my least favorite, and, and it isn't—it's not a bad, you know, musically, it's not a bad song. I agree with Chris, but those lyrics and just just everything about it just just ruined it for me and uh, put a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will say, like King Nothing, though, I like the song, I like the riff, but then when I was listening back to it, I, you know, obviously I hear it on the radio from time to time, but listening yeah. back to it, I was I'm listening to it and I'm like. Well, it sounds like they turned Inner Sandman inside out and redid the riff. Right. And then at the end of the song, James goes, well, to never, never. I'm like, well, he even <laughs> he even knows they're ripping themselves off with this song. Yeah. So that's 96. And then 97, they come back with Reload in November of that year. You know, this was the one I kind of thought I'm like, because I remember at the time, a lot of the, the narrative was, well, Reload is just leftovers from Load and it, it's not as good. But then I start listening to it and I'm kind of like thinking, man, Reload is probably a better overall record in my opinion than load is I, I i found better stuff on here not that a lot of it was great but um i don't know there i there's several songs on here that i think are okay the but the bad is really bad <laughs> so maybe the the, yeah. the bad being so bad is why people view it that way um picking a best i had to you know I, i'm going to kind of parrot josh on this i had to go with kind of the single this was one where I think they did chose they did choose the the right lead single with Fuel. I think I know everybody's sick to death of that song, but as a song compared to the other songs in this record, I think it's a complete song. I like the harmony vocals with Newstead on on the chorus. It's a decent song. I know James will run that song into the ground, especially in their live set, but it's a decent song. I don't mind it. Um, and then for worst. God, I could have picked so many from this. I mean, I almost went with Carpe Diem, Baby. I think that's pretty awful. Um, the <laughs> Devil's Dance has great music and cringy fucking lyrics. I didn't like that. I didn't really like Unforgiven 2 very much. Fixer I didn't like very much. But I went with um, Low Man's Lyric for my, my worst on this album. It just it just goes nowhere, and it bores the shit out of me. I, I... Step. He 
Yep, that song is pretty, pretty bad. I, I actually, when I was going through the album, and Low Man's lyric was almost my worst, but it's also like that's that seems like a song that James wants. Like that's what James wants to do. Like at this time, and he and so like I I almost attacked that one as being the worst, but I, I definitely kind of backed off of it because that just seems like at the at the heart of James, kind of seems like that's something he would want to do. Yeah, James James and Brett Michaels have something in common. They both really, really want to be old Southern black men, and it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and go on this one. Um, Fuel, I think, is a like musically great song. Obviously, it does sound like a car just you know driving down the road. You know, they got the lyrics right on that one. Um, the last time I saw them live, obviously, you know, the flame and the fire and everything else going on. I mean, it's a great, it's a great live staple. I, you know, like you said, they will run it into the ground, but I do think it's, it's a fun song to see live. Um, but uh, <laughs> I actually went with devil's dance as my best uh, just because of the, the musically uh, great track. And then um, actually I like the unforgiven too. You know, I'm, I, I like black album. I you know, I was listening to it again today and just hearing that kind of the, the remnants of uh, the unforgiven kind of going into it. And um, I, I don't think unforgiven two is a terrible song, but uh, my worst of, and that this is where, when you talk about reload being almost better than load, I'm like, I don't know, man, this back half of this record is pretty trash. Um, and like you said, low man's lyric could have been it, but I gave it a pass. Um, uh carpe diem baby that's just some of the worst lyrics possible uh but i went with prince charming i was i was pretty pretty uh displeased with prince charming on this record sorry and prince charming and the main reason i went with prince charming because the chorus is just uh the four horsemen just played a little bit differently and i'm like i'm like you're just trying a little too hard or something Uh, you're ripping yourself off but you're not doing a proper job right on that and the lyrics on that song are awful and then um if i had to pick a non- single to be my best i would have gone with bad seed that that song's actually pretty good i thought not a big fan of that one either man when this came out i i mean how can i put this as sarcastically as possible i can't believe these songs were not good enough to make it on the load <laughs> i mean it's pretty bad i mean fuel's cool it's a hard rocking tune i remember the video for the memory remains and having the old hippie lady at the end <laughs> right what is this? You know, what is this Metallica? You got old grandma's singing on your songs. Hey, now that was Mick Jagger's girlfriend back in the day. He is old grandpa at that time too. That well, they do like to work with old grandmas and old grandpas. We'll get to that oh, later. God. <laughs> have to. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny the listening back to load and reload the last few days, kind of getting ready for this. And for as massive of a Metallica fan that I was in 1991, 92, 93, even 94, like my, like I said, walls covered in Metallica, played Metallica, just, just constantly, you know, watching Cliff of all and, and, you know, a day or a year, a year and a half in the life of Metallica. Like I was so embedded in Metallica. When I listen back to load and reload now there, I don't remember half of these songs like it's it's just crazy to think of like how quickly the fandom my fandom changed i don't want to remember half these songs (laughs) and when i listen back to it i mean most of it sucks i think the best song 
My favorite on here is track five, Better Than You. I think that's a good hard rocking tune. I like that one a lot. said fuel jams memory remains is weird i do like devil's dance i think that one's good like what do we get together and be like hey what's our what's the song that really kicked it off for our hardcore fans to really start you know side-eyeing us wondering what the hell we're up to oh yeah the unforgiven they hated that hey, here's what we should do let's do the unforgiven part two man what an awesome idea it sucks also I don't care for it. <laughs> the whole second half of the album sucks. Worst song, it could be either, it could be Carpe Diem Baby. It could be Prince Charming. It could be Low Man's Lyric. I guess I'm going to go with Where the Wild Things Are because it sucks just as bad as the rest of them. Yeah, Newstead got a co-writing credit on that one. Four solid tracks on this album, if that. Hmm. Yeah, Slither's a rough one, too, man. I'm just... Uh. I hate you guys for making me listen to this, <laughs> but well, we had to listen to them too. Um, but I mean that, but, but I still go back to, it's just like they got stuck on this stupid blues rock riff idea and it just, they mm-hmm. kept recycling it through both records. And it's like, what are y'all doing? And they, they have not aged well. And it's funny, like anyone who has anything bad to say about death magnetic on fuck you, listen to these two records. <laughs> It is funny you were talking about kind of that riff, that jammy riff that that they kind of keep going back to and listening to these albums in a condensed form, you know, where I'm listening to them kind of back to back to back. It's funny that they're still kind of playing that riff still like, you know, it's it's on St. Anger. It's on Death Magnetic. It's on Hardwired. It's like that riff is just still running wild in the streets of Mattel. They got it, but they got better at it over the years. Yeah, right. (laughs) It almost feels like Metallica got a taste of what it was like with the black album, you know, what it was like to be critically acclaimed, you know, to sell millions of albums, to be top of the charts, to be arguably the number one band in the world and thought, you know, we were heavy thrash metal. And then we did some of the rock stuff and even threw in some ballady stuff and it was worth a lot of money. Take it one step further. This is them trying to figure out where that happy medium is in between metal and pop rock, you know, stuff that's mass consumed. And they, and like Chris said, you know, they did it. They were still top of the game, had videos all over MTV. These songs were all over the radio. They're still all over the radio. The singles off these two albums, you can hear fuel. You can hear ain't my bitch. You can hear any one of them. I heard until it sleeps on the way home. I was like, I didn't even need to listen to the rate to the CD. I could have just listened to the local rock station. It's amazing how, how they, how much they changed and how, even though they alienated a lot of their early hardcore fans, they were able to gain enough new fans to just carry them right on through. Yeah. Pretty wild. Pretty cool. And even through all this time, I will say anytime they came through town, I still went to see them. Like I, I, anytime Metallica has been in town, I was there. 
you know, so it's not like I completely turned my back on them. And it, it was just, I just didn't get into load and reload. But I mean, and their, their, their history and their catalog from the past, you know, they, they could, they could sell out tours with no problem. And mm-hmm. so I, it's, it's almost like they got to the point where they're like, you know, we can put whatever out. Just put the name Metallica on it. It's going to sell. It's going to be big. It's going to get radio play. And they proved it. But then, I mean, then we go to 1998 and they put out Garage Inc., you know, which is another collection of cover songs. I mean, Josh, being a, you're definitely a little more well-read into Metallica and their history than we are. I mean, do you think this was because of the diehards complaining about the last two records? Why do you think they were motivated to do this album? Honestly, I have no idea, but I'm glad they did because this... I go back to a lot. Like I, I've, I've said it a million times on my show on, on any, anytime talking about Metallica, Metallica is my favorite cover band. Like they, I, you know, garage days, garage Inc. Anytime they do covers, you know, and, and this one has the collection of stuff that was B sides and rarities on other stuff too. Um, I, I, I just love when they do covers. So I, I will listen to this album, you know, every once every few months I'll, I'll get into a, a Metallica cover, uh, you know, a little period. Yeah. I was working on radio when this came out and it was a lifesaver, except that the only song they really wanted to play off of it was the Bob Seeger cover over, over and over again. Like I was working at the radio station and I'm hearing this song like every two hours. <laughs> right. And it's well, cool. Jeez. Come on, give us a break. There's so much other cool stuff on here. Well, that was also kind of the link between like me and my dad too, because my dad loved Bob Seger, loved Turn the Page, and I, and you know he he, you know I guess listened to a little bit of Metallica just because I was always around. But I'm like, Dad, they did you know Turn the Page? Look how cool this is! You know that was kind of the the link between like his music and my music. Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff on here. I go through it. I'm just looking at like the new stuff at the time because they have the uh, the Motorhead covers. Four of them that were, I think, a B-side on Hero of the Day off a of load, which are awesome. I love those. Every single one of them. I mean, just killer. But as far as, like, the main album of Garage Inc., I always love Sabra Cadabra. Sabbath cover. I love what they did with it and how they did it. When we used to play Mandatory Metallica on Z104, that was one that actually I would play quite a bit because I just thought it was so cool at the time. For the worst, I'd say Tuesday's gone, but that's like a live thing that they recorded in a studio somewhere in 97. But I'm going to go with Lover Man. Lover Man's kind of weird, man. Yeah. Kind of strange. Not real cool. Yeah, that that well, Nick, that's a Nick Cave cover, and if you've ever seen a photo of Nick Cave, you'll just you'll say the same <laughs> thing about him. He's a very strange looking person. Um, but yeah, yeah, for me, I, I, you know, and I, I'm embarrassed to admit because I'm a diehard Thin Lizzy fan now, but I wasn't at the time this came out. So this was other than, of course, you know, I mean, the boys are back in town. Obviously, that was ingrained in all of our DNA from the day, from when we were born, but. 
whiskey in their cover of whiskey in the jar was kind of my first real exposure other than that song to to thin lizzie um and i do love that i think i think it's cool that i like their version a lot of thin lizzie fans hate metallica's version of this song by the way um they don't like it but i do i think it's cool what they did with it um i never need to hear the bob seger cover ever again um <laughs> it they do a good job on it but god the radio ruined that song for me I like the Tuesday's Gone cover on it. I like, and I'm not even a blues traveler fan, but I love John Popper's harmonica playing on that cover. I think it's pr- pretty great. Um, I had a lot of choices on what I think my favorite was. I love Die Die, My Darling. I'm not even a Misfits fan, but I love their version of that song. I love uh, Sabracadabra, like Aaron said. I think that's a great cover. But for me, um, I don't know. My my favorite one on this this album, I I went with. Um, it's electric. I think that's uh, that's my favorite thing on here. I like that one a lot, but it was hard to pick one. But um, for worst, um, I went with uh, "Free Speech for the Dumb," which is a discharge discharge cover. And um, I listened to the original today just to say, like, well, maybe there's something I'm missing here. Nope, it's just not a good song, <laughs> no matter who does it. I just don't like it. But no, I go back to this one a lot more than I do the the five ninety eight EP Garage Days uh, album. I think this has cooler stuff on here. I love Astronomy, um, but yeah, I think it, it, it's a cool collection. And I do, I'm like Toomey. I go back to this one probably every few months and listen. I love their covers. Like Anthrax, they're a great cover band. <laughs> right? Yeah, because once you get deep in here, you know you get um, you know Killing Time and Stone Cold Crazy and obviously So What and The Prince and Bread Fan. I mean the whole the whole back half of this is 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 the goods. Um, when I when when I was looking for, I'll, I'll go my worst. My worst first is obviously free free speech for the dumb. Um, you know I I don't I did not go back to listen to the original on this one. Uh, it's just a tough cover for me. Um, and then my favorites, and uh, I will disagree with you guys on your picks from uh, Garage Days uh, in the past, man. Those 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 Misfits covers are are where it is at. So I would go with uh, Die Die My Darling as a uh, as my favorite on this. Well, I, I did listen to it, you know, all the way through today, just because I had to take a break because of, of saying anger and reload and Lulu. I was like, I'm just going to like cl- cleanse the palate. But uh, I was listening to the Prince and the Prince was obviously recorded during the justice era. And there's bass on that. Like there's really, you know, well listened, ba- like you can hear the bass on the Prince. So I think if people were going to dive in and kind of wonder what justice could have sounded like, I think if you check out the prints, I think you might get a little bit of a, an, an idea of what it would have sounded like. Yeah, I love all that old stuff. And it was nice to finally have it all in one collection. Garage Incorporated, thumbs up. Love that one. Absolutely. And um, Aaron put together this cool list of stuff that came out during this time. So, yeah, we're, we're hitting the main releases, but I also don't want to forget that there were some singles and little offshoot songs that got released during these times. And uh, I want to pay credit to them. So the... 
the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack, I think. Um, they did I Disappear. And I remember this was the early days of um, of file sharing. And I remember this song got leaked ahead of the, the movie and the single release. And that was that was part of what kicked off the Napster controversy. I remember when this song got leaked on the internet. And I remember being excited to listen to it. And then I'm like, eh, it's okay. And then radio kind of ruined it with uh, I Disappear. But uh, I, I don't know. What do you Do you guys like that song? I do. I think it's a good one. I like that one. Yeah, that was the one in this time period where I was like, I, I dig it. And a cool video, too. Like, I really enjoyed the video. And they, they've 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 went on record many a time talking about how they, you know, they could have died making that video <laughs> over and over. But yeah, man, a great song. Great track. I uh, I dug it. And I definitely the radio definitely wore it out that summer or whenever it came out. But but I definitely uh, remember it. It gave me hope for the future of Metallica at that point. Maybe things are going to start getting heavier again. Well, and Aaron, you put something on this list that I had no idea ever got released. So in 2002, they do a, they do like a rap song with, um, jaw rule and Swizz beats. What the <laughs> hell is this? You know about this song? We I did, I did not until I saw the list and I was making sure I covered all my bases and I went back and listened to this pile of trash. I didn't know nothing about it either when I was putting the list together. I was like, we did it again with Ja Rule and what? I never heard this. I don't remember this coming out. I go back and I listen to it. I thought, this ain't too bad. <laughs> no, it's bad. Like, it's real bad. It's just, it's very discombobulated. Like, it's one of those like rap rock things where I don't think they were anywhere near each other. And like the rappers did the verses and then the, you know, Metallica does the choruses and it's almost like in different tempos or feels like I'm just like, Jesus, this is a mess. I think Metallica's production team just supplied the rappers with some raw tapes of, of shit that they did and said, do whatever you want with it. Cause it, it doesn't sound cohesive at all. This was an extra song off Reload we just had laying around here. You can use this. <laughs> <laughs> and if it didn't make Reload, then you know how good it was. Yeah, God, <laughs> what, what gets rejected for Reload? That's pretty bad. <laughs> um, the C-list songs from Load that couldn't make Reload. Oh, um, but yeah, I, I I I did a little research on that song, and I, I, in the article I read, apparently, you know, so. One of the favorite um, soundtracks among a lot of, especially fans of new metal, was the Judgment Night soundtrack that came out back in the day. And apparently they did approach Metallica to do a song on the Judgment Night soundtrack, but Metallica turned them down. I wonder what that would have sounded like if they had done it. Oh, wow. Sounded something like this. Yeah, <laughs> maybe well, maybe well, it was a good thing. Well, if it sounded like this, then I'm glad they turned yeah. it down. But but yeah, they, I, I, I love the Judgment Night soundtrack. Yeah, me too. Well, yeah, that's that's a classic soundtrack. And then, um, uh, you know, also on here is 53rd and 3rd, which was part of the We're a Happy Family Ramones uh, soundtrack or, or tribute album, I should say. I like this cover. I, 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 I've liked it since the, since they've done it. And I, I did love the fact that if you want to hear Lars Ulrich sing, listen to this cover because he, he does do the DD part on, on this song. I'm on 53rd. 
So that's Laura. I was actually going to ask who that was because I, I was like, is that Jason? I didn't know if it was Jason because Jason always always did the kind of the backup stuff with it. So that's, that's Lars. Lars. Wow. Lars could have sang for a punk band. And also, if you want to hear Lars actually play drums that sound good in 2003, that's the song. <laughs> yeah, because this was during the time that they were making Sane Anger, which we'll talk about next, right? How is it the drum sounds so awesome on 53rd and 3rd, but then Sane Anger? I don't understand it. I was thinking about this, guys. This is the second time you guys have made me listen to this album because back in the day, I did the Metallica discography with you guys and I had to like listen to the album back then and I probably haven't listened to Stain Anger since then. And you guys are like, let's do a best and worst of Metallica. And I'm like, God damn it, Decibel Geek. Well, <laughs> so when we when we decide to do the best, the, the metal albums of 2003, we'll have you back on and do it again. I can't wait. <laughs> I was in a lot of high hopes for the St. Anger album in 2003. I mean, they just did the Garage Inc. That had a lot of really hard thrashing Metallica sound and stuff on it. They did the I Disappear song in 2000, which was pretty killer. 53rd and 3rd on the tribute to the Ramones. Kick ass. I'm feeling good about Metallica. 2003, St. Anger. The artwork, artwork looks really cool on the album. This is going to be kick ass. And it's like the first song frantic right off the bat. It's like, you can tell there's something wrong. Like I'm not at even in 2003 before doing decibel geek, when I really started like fine tuning what I looked at as far as what makes an album, you know, what's it take to make this sound good. What's it take, you know, we're talking to guys like Michael Wagner and seeing it from their point of view of, you know, what makes uh, albums sonically pleasing besides the musicians and those vocalists and like the technical part of it. First time I listened to this, man, I thought there was something wrong with it. <laughs> like I got a default CD or something that was not good. You know, like I need to return this and get a different one. But then you listen to the whole thing and it's all like that. And God, man, this is. Boy, if it wasn't for Lulu, this is the worst thing that Metallica's ever, ever done. To go back and listen to it, I mean, I listened to it when it was new, like once, and it was like, I don't never need to hear this again. There's nothing on here I like. So the best on St. Anger, none of it. Not a fucking... <laughs> oh. I almost went with that, by the way. And as far as worst, I mean, if St. Anger is Metallica's music from the Elder then the invisible kid is too young to be sailing. Oh, really? <laughs> that song is freaking awful. Awful on an album full of garbage. I don't even know if that's the worst song. I mean, I listened to it 
I listened through it twice, and I really couldn't decipher any song from the other. It all tinka 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 tinka, and the, even the the guitars. Everybody bitches about the drums, but the guitars suck on this album too. They're down in the mix. It's like James is real loud, and everything else is just muffled, and it it's just terrible. I don't like it. not a single song on it. I'm gonna say artwork. Yeah, the artwork's cool, but um. I remember when this was being hyped up. I remember because they did do a lot of advertising for this ahead of time, and I remember being kind of excited for it, like Aaron was. And and then they put out the title track as the single, and I was just like, "Oh fuck, what's what's going on here?" And then um, I did buy the record. I don't think I bought it on release day. I think I bought it like a week later. But and then listening to it, um, obviously the drum sound is so just jarring that you, you can't get into much of it because it just takes you out of a lot of the songs. And my, my overall opinion of this album is there's a lot of great ideas on this record. There's just not a lot of great songs. I think there's a lot of pieces of what could become great songs, but they didn't finish them. And obviously if you saw the, some kind of monster documentary, I mean, you see why they were not in any position to be making a record at that time. I mean, with James going through rehab um, him and Lars going through all their issues, you know, on a personal level, they've got a therapist in the middle of everything. Um, it's kind of a miracle. They put a record out at all at this time, to be honest, but you know, like with kiss with the elder, maybe it's one of those things where, you know, you don't get what you have now without this album coming out. So, um, I did have, I got a little bit more respect for this record when I did see the documentary. Cause it's like, well, at least they put something out, but um, I don't know, man, there's, there's like, there's riffs here and there that could turn into something great, but they, they couldn't finish them. Like the main riff and some kind of monster. It's a great riff. It just never goes anywhere. Um, frantic could have been a great song. It just doesn't get finished. Um, but the one that I picked as my favorite is the song, my world, my world has like pieces of three songs that could be great songs. <laughs> it's just still not a great song by itself. Um, but there's great stuff like, you know, um, something, God, why does it always rain on me? Like, that's a great lyric. Um, or, um, some of the, the riffs in that song are, are fucking great. It's just not a great complete song. And then as far as worst for worst, I picked a tie. Um, the last two songs on this record are God awful purify and all within my hands. And, um, I don't know which one I hate more, but the fact that they named their charity foundation after one of the songs, I guess she made something <laughs> good out of that title. But, um, but God damn, the, the last two songs on this record are just horrible. Um, and some of these, the, these records, as I go through them, I'm like, man, if, if this wasn't Metallica, they would, they would be getting, you know, raked over the coals a lot more by people. I almost think they get a pass for some of this stuff. But Invisible Kid, there's some good riffs there, but the lyrics are fucking awful. There's just a lot of bad stuff on this record. But at the same time, I'll give them more of an E for effort because I think this album is way more creative than Load and Reload. At least they're giving it a shot. They're not getting stuck on a main riff and just running with it through the whole time. But it's it's a E for effort, but it's an F for execution for me. Again, when they were hyping up this album, they go to, you know, they did the thing at the prison, you know, that was, I believe it was the same prison that Johnny Cash did some stuff, obviously a huge Johnny Cash fan. So I'm like, cool, this is another tie with like kind of the past and the present. Um, you know, they're kind of looking badass at the, at the prison doing the stuff. 
And then you hear the songs and I, I echo Chris once again, you know, there's tons of great riffs on this album, but there's just no, co- you know, there's nothing cohesive about it. And obviously that snare will just get you every time. Some of the lyrics, like I, like I'm madly in anger with you. I'm like, I, do I like that? Do I not like it? You know, and the whole, like, you know, my death style or my lifestyle determines my death style. And I'm like, I can't, I kind of dig that. I don't know, but I, I was really trying to find some silver linings in, in this album. Um, there's not a lot here. Uh, I'll go with my worst first as an invisible kid. That's just, that's rough. Um, and then even some of the stuff in like frantic, you know, with the, the tick, tick, tick tock. Wow. And he, he kind of, he kind of channels his inner, like Jonathan Davis and his voice is cracking and all that nonsense too. And I'm like, well, that's not James Hetfield. That's, that's, you know, that's the new metal that's going on around the time. Like he's, he's kind of doing the whole thing, you know, the, uh, yeah, genre, you know, chasing kind of stuff. Um, I picked dirty window as my favorite on this. I, I think that that was a, a cohesive song and it's kind of driving, and if you're going to hit me with that snare, at least, you know, make it sound good and, uh, you know, make it make a pounding. And, uh, yeah, I, I went with Dirty Window as my favorite. Album. Some of these songs might have some potential if yeah. they were done correctly and God, the drums so terrible, but even like St. Anger, it starts out and it's like, Oh, this is pretty cool. This is pretty yeah. cool. And then it just drops off to the St. Anger. <laughs> you know, it's like you were on something good and then you just dropped it off into this like terrible yeah. part. And then you try to bring it back. And there's like Chris said too much of that going on where it's like, three completely different songs all mashed in one, but none of the songs are very good, but this by itself might be okay. And that by itself might be okay, but mashed together, they just don't work. Yeah. Well, like part of the, in the, I've watched some kind of monster. I don't know, probably a hundred times just cause it's fascinating to see a band behind the scenes like that. Yeah. And there's one part that kind of sums up this record where, and you'll notice when you listen to the record, Lars is doing all kinds of weird shit on the drums and like they're, they're showing them recording. And like James is at one point is like, could you do more like a regular beat here instead of, <laughs> instead of what you're doing? And Lars is like, well, I'm just trying yeah. to make it more interesting. And I, over the years, when I listen back in hindsight, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of on Lars's side because it's like, well, if you're not bringing any decent ideas to the table, guitar wise, I have to do something to make it sound interesting drum wise. But it's just a matter of they had too much going on in their personal lives to make a record and really buckle down and focus. So I think they were, it, it sounds like a band searching for something and they can't find it when I listen to it. Sounds like Lars looking at James going, you're not going to ruin this album. I'm going to ruin yeah. this album. <laughs> and then there was a, there was a great meet and greet video of Lars. I don't know if you guys have seen it where somebody gives him a, a snare drum to sign and they brought up saying anger and Lars looks at him and he goes, yeah, 
So this is Metallica before Saint Anger, and he locks the snare, and he got he unlocks it, and he goes, <laughs> "That's Metallica on Saint Anger." It's basically a snare with not locked in. What's crazy too, and and the some kind of monster documentary, is for somebody that that worshipped early Metallica and Cliff Mall, and you know, like I said, you're even a year and a half watching those guys just be all metal all the time. And then some kind of monster, they've got the therapist in there. They've got Dave Mustaine in there. Everybody's crying. Um, the, you know, Lars is at a, at an auction at one point, drinking wine, selling his paintings for like $5 million a piece or something like that. And you're just like, like that, this is the album that, that guys that are drinking wine, selling their art at auction makes. Yeah. You know, like they have no clue what's going on in the underground. Yeah. Yeah. I, Crazy. What's there to be angry about when you're a millionaire? How much your paintings sell for at the auction? Yeah, and the paintings looked like shit too. If I'm just, I'm not an art. Yeah, critic, those were crazy. But I'm like, look at those paintings that weren't sold for that much, really. Um, I'll never understand art. And then around this time, you know, the, 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 there's a two. So this is all 2003. We talked about 53rd and third, but they did several Ramones covers at this time. I don't. I, maybe they recorded a, a handful of these things and submitted it for the tribute album. That's what I'm assuming. But uh, they did Commando, Cretan Hop. Now I want to sift some glue. But them songs, the the Ramones covers all have decent sounding drums on them. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I mean, it sounds great to me. Um, I don't, you know, they they had kind of mixed success as far as how they pulled off these songs. I, I thought Commando sounded great. I thought James sounded stupid on Cretan Hop. Um, now I want to say some glue sounds great, <laughs> and uh, I don't think they sound good on We're a Happy Family, but um, but a couple of those songs they sound good, and I wouldn't mind hearing a whole record of uh, Metallica Ramones covers. I'd be down with that. I always love a good Metallica cover. And then um, something you put on the list that I didn't know they actually recorded a metal version of this was, you know, they, they come out to the ecstasy of gold on their live shows all the time. But I didn't know they actually recorded a metal version of that song. Yeah, it came out in 2007. It's pretty cool. I like it. Just an instrumental, you know, like you said, what they use to introduce themselves on stage. And they find a way to take like an old country, old country western movie theme and make it kind of metal. Pretty cool. Good for them. Um, then 2008 comes along, and as I said earlier, um, anyone who gives Metallica shit for Death Magnetic on and they love Load and Reload, I don't understand what's wrong with you. Um, load and re- uh, Death Magnetic and Hardwired sound like fucking Dark Side of the Moon compared to those records to me, um, <laughs> at least as far as close to what you would want from a Metallica record. So Death Magnetic comes out September 2008. I was working for a newspaper company at the time, delivering to gas stations and um, newspaper boxes when those existed at the time at like three o'clock in the morning. And I blasted this record on repeat when it came out. And uh, I still have a soft spot for this record. It's not them all the way back, but I do think it's, it's a definite huge step in the right direction after St. Anger. I think it's, it's a pretty damn good record, and I think they get better after this, but I like this record quite a bit. And um, there's not a lot on this record that I think is awful. I think everything is good to great. I think most of this record is pretty solid. That Was Just Your Life, The End of the Life. Some of the songs are a little too long, 
as far as what they do, but I think overall it's great music. Um, Cyanide's great yeah. on this album. The Judas Kiss has a great hook on it. Uh, My Apocalypse is okay. I know it got a lot of Slayer um, compliments. A lot of people saying, oh, it's Metallica trying to do Slayer. Um, but to me, um, the best song on this record to me was All Nightmare Long. Um, a little cringy on the lyrics, but musically, I think it's a great song. And I know uh, Robert was heavily involved in the writing of this song. for me it's did we need a trilogy of the unforgiven i don't think so um <laughs> I, I, I did not go with the unforgiven three that's my worst song on this record hey remember when we alienated half of our fan base with the unforgiven and then a few years later we came back and really fucked with them with the unforgiven part two i've got a great idea <laughs> the unforgiven part three what the fuck man why revenge of, i don't understand revenge it. of the unforgiven they're never going to let us forget. They're never going to let us forget. But, hey, this album, this I was super excited about. First off, the logo is back. Absolutely. That's a good sign right off the bat right there. As soon as I see that the old school Metallica logo is back, I feel real good about this coming out. And I get real excited about release day because – all these years they've been doing all this other stuff using the different logos, differentiating away from the Metallica, the Metallica that's associated with that logo. And when that logo comes back, I feel like that means something. That means this new album is going to be killer. This is going to be a return to form that the album I've been hoping for for all these years since the Black album, but haven't gotten. And man, when I got it, put it in the deck player in the car and rocked it out and loved it. It was like, this is Metallica right here. This is the Metallica. I love everything. Everything on this album is good, except for maybe the unforgiven part three, easily the worst (laughs) song on the album. It's got a big 10 minute instrumental on it. I can live or die with, but I mean, it, to me, that one suicide and redemption sounds like it could have and should have had lyrics to it. Like, I don't know if they ran out of time or what. To me, the best song, it's tough to choose. I really like them all on here. I like Cyanide the best. Like Chris Judas Kiss is killer. <laughs> End of the line, all nightmare long. They kick it off with that was just your life is badass. 
This album is killer, man. Just killer. I love it. So yeah, the when when Death Magnetic came out, I was working at a store and we sold CDs and we sold T-shirts and like this was was like my favorite day I ever went to work. Like the you know I, a few days before this album came out, I opened the box up you know and I saw the CD, saw the logo was back, the album cover is great, and then we were we were already playing. Uh, I think it might I think we were already playing the day that never comes. I think that was kind of the single before this album came out, and then my whole shift was, and the CD was $5. The shirt was $5 plain black shirt, just a Metallica logo. I was like a pig in shit, just selling the shit out of the CD. And we, all we listened to that day at work was this CD just over and over and over. And like, like Aaron said, man, this is the first time since the black album that I was like, Metallica is back. The logo's back. The, just the songs are back. The songs are long, you know, reminiscent of justice. And just just everything going on, man. And and this one has a lot going on, similar to Saint Anger, but this one is flushed out to where they know what they're doing. And and there's a lot of parts going on, but they're all cohesive and and all that. I did pick as my worst, just because it's easy as Suicide and Redemption. Just you know, I I could do without that one. Um, I picked the day that never comes as my favorite, just because of that that the last like three minutes of that song is just a journey musically it's like you know there's no lyrics and i guess that kind of ruins my suicide and redemption you know uh, uh take there but just the last three minutes of, of the day that never comes man it's just it's it's a it's a damn musical journey that's just so good just just oh it's great love it love this album say i don't understand the unforgiven three honestly i don't think it has anything to do with one and two like i was trying to find the through line i guess i really need to dig into the lyrics and maybe uh and figure this one out but at least the unforgiven two kind of had a little bit of that unforgiven one feel to it the unforgiven three is just a song with the title they're trolling you with it i'm telling you (laughs) assholes all these years the long game well at least i didn't put out uh you know saint anger part two Um, And just when you think that Metallica is back and they can do no wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. All right. 2011 rolls around and uh, Metallica, you know, after getting everyone back on their side, all diehards are starting to be like, I'm warming back up to Metallica. That's good. I think things are looking up. Then they decide to put out a fucking concept album with Lou Reed on vocals. Why? I have no idea. And I don't think they did either. Um, called Lulu comes out in October, comes out on Halloween in 2011. And I will admit it's the scariest thing released that year. What the fuck? I mean, I, I don't even know what to say about this. I mean, it's, this might be the worst thing ever released by any, any artist. It, it, it could be the worst album ever, ever created. Um, I went back today. I, and like, you know, I've been listening to load, reload, all, death magnetic, all these things over the last week leading up to this, but I purposely waited till today to listen to Lulu because I couldn't stand the thought of listening to it. And I listened to it about three hours ago. 
and <laughs> and I'm still mad. I'm still pissed. <laughs> um, it God damn, this is awful. Um, Lou Reed sucks. He's overrated. I've never understood why anyone gave him praise. Um, yeah, Walk on the Wild Side's okay, but it, that's in spite of him and Sweet Jane and Heroin are okay, but that's because of every, everyone around him, not because of him. And he ruined music from the Elder for Kiss. So that what does that tell you? I don't understand why they wanted to work with Lou Reed other than they wanted to get in the good graces of the Rolling Stone magazine crowd. Um, this is god-awful. Um, no one likes it. The funniest thing is it was the lowest, uh, the lowest-selling Metallica record and the highest-selling Lou Reed record, <laughs> which I thought was funny. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, I, I did do some research on it, but uh, no, it's not looked back upon well. I hate that I had to listen to it again today, um, but I did. And um, I could pick a best only because the riff on the song is good. Um, Mistress Dread, the riff on the song is good. Sounds like a classic Metallica riff. Lose vocals, and, or if you want to call them vocals, god-awful. I'm going to take the easy way out for worst. Everything else. There's nothing good on this record. (laughs) That one riff is the only redeeming part of this record. That's it. I listened to part of Lulu back in 2011 and vowed to never listen to it again. So I must disqualify myself. Oh, you didn't even listen to it? Nope. I took a vow back. You put it on the list. (laughs) guys. So I put myself through an hour of listening to this bullshit and you didn't? Oh, very sick. I was going off the list that you made, Camaro. <laughs> the list does not apply to me. Oh, but you love Lulu, don't you? Well, just for that, I'm going to give you my best and worst. <laughs> um, I, I gave Little Dog as my best just because it's the most like it's the closest to a song I think that's on here. And my worst was Pumping Blood, just because it's insane. It's just, the, I mean, the whole album is insane, but Pumping Blood is, is just ridiculous. Whole album's ridiculous. Aaron Camaro's ridiculous. And now I'm, I'm mad as, I'm as mad as Chris Sintax. Off the pump, off the thing, the blood that I'm pumping away. If I pump blood in the sunshine anywhere, a leather box with azaleas and I pump more blood and it seeps through my skin. Will you adore the river, the stream, the trickle, the tributary of my heart as I pump more blood and it seeps through my skin? Will you adore the river? The stream, the trickle, the tributary of my heart. All right. Well, I'll make it up to you. I'll give you a fact about this album that you might not know. At the time when it came out, David Bowie loved this album. I saw that quote. Called it it the best thing that Lou Reed had ever done and was upset with fans because they weren't getting it. But he got it, and it was amazing to him. So David Bowie did drugs at least into 2011. 
Maybe. Um, <laughs> I saw that quote, and I and I also saw that. Um, I don't know, but like the reviews on it were fucking hilarious. I mean, I I was like, it's not even looked well. You know, this many. It's what twelve years later. It's still not looked at well. <laughs> That's which is what cracks me up. Is like usually you can have an incubation time where people finally come around on something. No, no one likes this album even today. It's funny if you look at the plays on Spotify too. I know Aaron Camaro Spotify is a service that you can pay for monthly, and um, basically everything behind you is just right there on your phone. Um, but <laughs> uh, you know, you go down to like uh, Death Magnetic, and the biggest song is 105 million plays. And the most on any of these songs on Spotify is 650,000. And that's the first track. So I'm assuming just people are hitting play and turning it off. But I mean, for, for a Metallica release to only have like most of them have like 160 to like 200,000 plays is insane. Well, the, 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 I think it's the song, the view where uh, James says, I am the table like over and over right. again. <laughs> and like, I, I read that and uh, one of the reviews I read, they said that, that um, a table is listed as James's occupation on Wikipedia because of that song. Nice. He is the table that in the wrestling videos too when somebody gets thrown through a table that there's a web uh a youtube channel called botchamania uh-huh. and when somebody goes through the table they always have james on there going i am the table when the table <laughs> another thing aaron put on here this is one thing i'm happy you put on the list uh was beyond magnetic which came out in 2011 which was like a four song ep that was basically leftovers from Death Magnetic. Um, I didn't know about these songs until today. I, I, I'm a terrible Metallica fan because I hadn't listened to them till today. So um, I was pretty impressed with all, a lot of these songs. I don't know that any of them should have replaced a song on the record, but it's cool to hear extra material from the album. For best, I picked Rebel of Babylon. For worst, I picked Helen Back. But uh, I liked all four of them for the most part. Actually got this one on CD and Josh CD is this like little silver thing. It's like a disc and it comes in a jewel case and you can hold it in your hand and read about the album and see things about it while, while you're listening to it. It's pretty cool. That that seems really clunky just for four songs. (laughs) (laughs) It is a lot of work for four songs, but in this case, kind of worth it. I think two of the songs are good. Two of them are okay. Um, Best. I agree with Chris rebel of Babylon, pretty kick ass. I could have seen that made it onto the album would have been cool instead of maybe the instrumental. Uh, worst, I don't really get down with just a bullet away. Kind of sounds like kind of sounds like something that would have been on load or reload. Has moments though. Yeah, I, honestly, I I had heard about this. Actually, heard about this a few days ago, um, and I, I I listened today for the first time. And I'm, I agree with Chris. Rebel Rebel of Babylon, and then uh, Helen Back was my least favorite of the four. So. All right, unanimous Rebel of Babylon, worth checking out. Another thing you put on here that I I didn't even know about was in 2012 they covered Deep Purple and did When a Blind Man Cries. Was that for a particular project? I think it was for a tribute to Deep Purple that came out. It had Glenn Hughes on it and a bunch of other. It was like a, a high profile tribute album that had some big name stars on it. It's great. I I, I was very impressed with it. 
I did not listen to that one. <laughs> Just because it's on the list, man, doesn't mean I have to listen to it. I, I found that that's a, a rule for the decibel geeks. He's so. like, your show isn't sponsored by Knotfest, so I don't have to listen to all your shit. <laughs> um, not listening to your list. Fuck fest. you and your deep purple cover. Um, <laughs> and then in 2014, they do two things. They put out Lords of Summer, which came out, and then Ronnie Rising, which was a kind of a mashup of uh, Ronnie James Dio-related songs. Lords of Summer, I, I remember him seeing a live clip of that at the time. They 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 were busting that out at shows. Um, I liked the live version of it. I went back and listened to the studio, and I was like, wow, this isn't very good. Um, I'm, I'm kind of glad it got left off the, the last studio record, but... Uh, the Ronnie Rising thing was cool to hear uh, to hear some of that stuff, especially the rainbow material on that. Josh, did you bother to listen to either of these songs? Uh, I listened to Lords of Summer. Was not a fan. No. Would not recommend. I like it. I thought it was pretty cool. And I love Ronnie Rising. Yeah, they do a good job covering uh, Dio. And I'm glad James didn't try to hit the high notes. He just did it in his own style. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool when Metallica jumps onto a tribute album. They always seem to come out with something. Awesome. I didn't realize they, they covered so much material from other bands, which is cool. Um, all right. Well then that leads us to the last studio album out as of now, hardwired to self-destruct, which we'll talk about, of course, the new record soon, but, uh, hardwired to self-destruct comes out November 18th, 2016 to pretty much rave reviews. And, um, I think most people for the most part are happy with this record, um, I went back, I mean, I, I had listened to, I've listened to several songs off of this over the last year. Cause I do, I still go back to it a lot, especially the title track, um, moth into flame, spit out the bone. Uh, now that we're dead, I think is an underrated tune off this record. Um, there, there's good stuff on it. Um, I think it's definitely more solid than uh death magnetic, but also Metallica has a problem with self editing. Uh, when you get to side two of this record, it does get a little weak compared to load and reload. This is amazing it's a masterpiece but uh if i have to pick a best i'm gonna pick spit out the bone which is funny because side two is weaker but spit out the bones on side two it closes the record easily for me this was an easy pick for me man unkind i don't this is them going back to that blues talica thing with the the open e riff it sounds like something off load or reload and uh, i just don't like it but uh, i like several of the songs on this record i think this is the best thing they've come out with since since and justice for all i think it's better than the black album i wouldn't say that i don't think there's a bad song on here i think every single track on here is kick-ass Every single one of them is on the iPod. I couldn't leave any of them out. When this came out, man, I said, Metallica, man, they finally did it. They found the perfect spot in between hard rock and thrash metal. They landed it right here. They found the way to blend it perfectly. Best thing they've come out with in years. Everything is good on here. It's hard to pick a favorite because I really, really like them all. But I think the song I like the best is now that we're dead. It's a good song. It's just a killer song. It's got a lot of layers to it. 
I mean, they're all so good. They're all spit out the bone is killer. Moth in the flame. I mean, I just list the whole album. I love it. If I have to pick a worst, I like Man on Kind. Really? And I like this one too, but I'm going to call it my worst, least favorite on the album. Am I Savage? I like the least, but even at that, I think it's a pretty great song. So tough to pick a worst one on here. Best thing Metallica's done in a long time. If you're an old school Metallica fan that gave up on this band somewhere along the line and never, ever gave them a chance again, you really owe it to yourself to listen to this album because it's got the stuff on here that old school fans, Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets, and Justice for All. There's songs on here that could fit on any one of those albums and songs that sound like they could be from the eras of those albums. I think it's kick-ass. I love it a lot. I listen to it all the time. Yeah, best thing they've done in a long time, and it makes me excited for the near future with Metallica. Yeah, I mean, this is an amazing record. Um, when when Hardwired, the song came out, you know, I was pumped about it. I think that's actually when we originally did our Metallica discography episode, which is, God, what is that now, six years ago? <laughs> um but yeah, so Hardwired came out amazing, uh, you know, Moth into Flame, Halo on Fire, just just Atlas Rise now that you're, you know, now that we're dead. So many great songs. Chris is right. They do back half this one and just kind of go and, you know, run it into the mud. But the one thing I liked that they did kind of hearkening back to the old days of like Damage Incorporated and Dyer's Eve and things like that is they, they put a crusher at the end and Spit Out the Bone is easily my favorite track on here. Um, really cool baseline in the middle of it, you know, kind of gives, gives, uh, you know, Rob a little bit of a shine. Um, and, and, you know, it also kind of harkens back to cliff, you know, that's the one thing that, that, uh, that, that Robert kind of, kind of embodies a little bit of cliff and they kind of let it, you know, show here with the, with the kind of distorted bass and, and, um, uh, you know, just, just a great, great song. Um, and I, and I went with my least favorite is am I savage? I just, that was the one that, that kind of that back half, just lol and yeah am i savage is my least favorite on here but man spit out the bone might be top 10 metallica song of all time you know i think i, th- I think that you know camaro is crazy for saying this is better than black album but um it's definitely a, a up there record in the catalog i disagree <laughs> <laughs> it's on par with it though i would say because it has a, a lot of a little bit of the old school spirit compared to everything that came after black album so i'll give it that I don't see a point going into SMM S and M too. Um, but let's talk about 72 seasons, the record that's coming out in April. Um, a guy that listens to our show that works with Sirius um, did mention to me that here, he heard several tracks off the next record and said that it sounds like Metallica going back to 1985. So hopefully he's telling me the truth, but uh, I like what I've heard from Luxie Turner so far. Um, what are you guys expecting on this next record? The greatest Metallica album of all time. <laughs> I'm definitely not thinking it's going to be the greatest Metallica album of all time, but I think it's going to be great. I think, you know, Luxy Turner, um, I, you know, Sinzak blew me up, you know, that Monday morning or whatever that it came out. I walk outside and I, I listen to it for a little bit, you know, listen to it. I probably listened to that song three or four times in a row just to kind of get a, get a feel for it, man. And, and they definitely, you know, I, I, I'm going to drop a name, but I was recently, I recently interviewed Ricky Rackman and I was talking to him about, you know, this is, it. this is very much almost like garage ink production, but like with like kill them all 
energy. It's it's it kind of just you know it runs the gambit of uh of Metallica, and um, I think it's gonna be if if the rest of the album is like this, I'm all in. Like give me give me more. Yeah, my good friend, your good friend, our good friend, Metal Mike G sent it to me that morning, and I like stepped outside of work for a minute, and I was like, oh shit, I didn't even know Metallica was having a new album, new song come out or anything. So I stop and I listen to it. I'm leaning on the car by the street, listening to it, just blown away. Me too. I was like, I got done. And I was like, holy shit. I got to listen to it again. <laughs> then it's very rare that, you know, something like that comes out where I listen to it. I go, oh, that's cool. And then go on with life to actually go, you know what? I'm going to listen to that one more time because holy shit, that was good. crazy too is, is it's like it's like new single came out you listen to that for a second and then all of a sudden they go boom here's a tour with pantera like right behind yeah. it all the same day and you're just like like my my childhood just basically erupted on my phone you know that that morning um and obviously I, you know i was talking to sinzek earlier got tickets to see the st louis show and i'm even i'm tempted to go to the chicago show just because man i'm like I'm, i want to see as many pantera shows as possible that's that's a whole other thing, but uh, getting to see Metallica and Pantera together is, you know, my 15 year old self just, you know, uh, exploding inside. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, when I saw the announcement of the tour, I was, I texted you and I got the, my first thought was this is, this is the it's for Josh Toomey tour because it's, it's Metallica <laughs> and Pantera. I was like, this is like the ultimate, this would be like Kiss and Thin Lizzie and Alice Cooper touring together for me. Um, but, uh, no, I was, I was super happy for you and I'm excited for the record. You know, I mean, I, you know, if you look at just the progression and, and going through having to listen to these albums in a row, I was like, man, Metallica is definitely, you know, they've definitely gotten their, their mojo back. Um, if you, you know, go from the black album to now, I think things are bright. If you're a Metallica fan, you gotta be pretty happy with what you're hearing so far. And I mean, Luxie Turner was great. Um, I'm excited to hear the rest of the record. Um, I never want to go back and listen to the load reload or St. Anger albums ever again, especially Lulu. But, um, it was interesting to go back and listen to, but yeah, not a lot of stuff's going to go onto my playlist, but, uh, it was interesting to go back and listen to and pick a best and worst of these songs. And to me, thanks for doing this. You know, I'm always down to talk to you boys about some Metallica and all that good stuff. So yeah, I, 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 I had fun kind of, you know, going down this, uh, this era of the band, um, cause obviously, like I said, you know, I'll, I'll hit garage Inc, but if, you know, if I'm going to go back and listen to Metallica, it's going to be black album justice and, you know, and, and, and beyond, but not, uh, not this era, not at all. It's kind of cool to know that once again in the world, Metallica is the biggest band. We must be living in good times. Yeah. Just as, as soon as that Metallica tough tour comes out, then, you know, <laughs> then Aaron Camaro is going to be like, yes. The Camaro dream Don't tour spots for ugly kid joe and local h on that tour make it a festival oh wow. hey man local h they they won that contest open for metallica they 
Uh, I thought Metallica opened the won the contest to open for Local H. That up and coming local band, Local H. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, those those boys they needed the, the exposure. All right. Well, well, to me, uh, to me, do your uh, your plugs. Where can people find you? Where can people find talk to me? Uh, anywhere you find your podcast, you can find talk to me, or you can head over to notfest.com. Um, the show's over there or talk to me pod.com uh, a direct link to the show there and um, check out uh, NotFest YouTube. Uh, a lot of the interviews and the, uh, you know, now that I'm, I'm uh, Chris Aikens on the show, uh, our full episodes are on YouTube. So if you want to come look at our handsome faces, uh, you can head over to the NotFest YouTube uh, that, that will now be every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. on the YouTube, but uh, the uh, free audio always comes out Thursdays uh, on the uh, podcast platforms of your cho- choosing. Well, this is a lot of fun today. Well, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would have been a lot more fun for us if we didn't have to listen to Lulu like somebody didn't, but okay. A vow is a vow, and I cannot break it. But I vow to everybody, we will be back here right next week. We've got the end of the year coming up. We'll have some Geek Wire before the end. And, uh, yeah, coming up on the year-end episode where Chris and I are going to let you know our top 10 favorite albums of 2022. What's the best album of 2022, Josh? Oh, man. Uh, Off the top of my head, I think I'm going to go with uh, the latest from uh, Memphis May Fire. I think that was a great album. Um but the more I've listened to it, man, that, that Megadeth album is fucking amazing. It is kind of weird. That I, I did listen to Lux Eterna, and then the new Megadeth came on after it. And I was like, that new Metallica is pretty good. But, man, Mustaine and the boys, they, they did a nice little job over there. Yeah, they sure did. Well, you'll have to tune in next time to see what Chris and I pick for our year-end cho- choices. But uh, I guess we'll be back. Thanks, Josh, once again. <laughs> I'm sure Frontiers Records put it out, whatever it is. (laughs) I ain't lying. (laughs) I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. All right. We'll see you. See ya. That's funny. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. 
FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.